Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 20. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Hey, Fire Nation, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Entrepreneur on Fire, the place for inspiring interviews with today's most successful entrepreneurs. Are you on our email list? If not, you are missing your chance at the $50 cash we give to one lucky subscriber every Wednesday. Would your Wednesday be a little better with 50 bucks in your pocket? Go to entrepreneuronfire.com or eofire.com if you're like me and can't spell entrepreneur to find out more. Question, have you been searching for an elite mastermind group? If yes, look no further than Ignite an amazing mastermind of aspiring entrepreneurs. We have weekly webinars, amazing resources, forums, and huge giveaways, including a $200 cash giveaway every week. Come join our community at ignitemastermind.com. If you enjoy this free podcast, please show your love and support by heading over to eofire.com and clicking the subscribe and iTunes button at the top of our page. This will shoot you over to iTunes where you can leave a rating and review. To show my appreciation for your hopefully five-star rating and review, I will give you a shout out at the top of an upcoming show telling the world just how cool you are. And now, prepare to ignite. Okay, let's get started today. I'm simply thrilled to introduce my guest, Scott Fox. Scott Are you prepared to ignite today? Yes, I am. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. I love it. So a little background on Scott. He's the founder of Lifestyle Entrepreneur Coaching Community, ClickMillionaires.com, and author of the new book, Click Millionaires, Work Less, Live More with an Internet Lifestyle Business You Love. He's also authored two other books, Internet Riches and E-Riches 2.0, Next Generation Marketing Strategies. All in all, Scott's e-business strategy coaching helps solopreneurs, small business owners, and corporations make more money online. Scott, did I sum that up all right? Yeah, that's about the sum of it. Yes, thanks. (laughs) Well, listen, now that I've given a little overview of you, why don't you actually tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm an author, as you said, but the funny thing about me, I guess, compared to a lot of folks who write business books, is that I'm not really an author. I'm really a businessman. Um, so I started writing kind of by accident, really, uh, about half a dozen years ago because I had been active in the dot-com space and making good money online and, uh, with a bunch of different high and low-profile startups. And, and people kept asking me, you know, how do I raise money or how do I do this or how do I do that? And and one time I got on the phone with a friend of mine and, and she asked me that kind of question. I talked for about 45 minutes straight, basically without taking a breath. And at the end there was silence. And I thought that, <laughs> you know, the call had dropped. And, and she said, you should really write a book. And I said, oh, you know, I, I guess I could. If I can talk for 45 minutes, that's got to be at least 45 pages, right? <laughs> I'm halfway there. So. That's about the equation. 
Yeah. So, so anyway, so I had been doing this for long enough and I'd coached and counseled so many people and, and had enough success myself that I was able to do that. And I, long story short, I, I wrote that first book, Internet Riches, back in 2004, which was kind of nuclear winter time for the internet. And I had a real hard time getting a publisher because nobody believed, you know, the silly wonks in New York didn't believe that the internet was coming back when, of course, any of us who were involved in it, um, you know, it was pretty obvious it was never going away. Absolutely. Um, so we got that book out in, uh, you know, uh, half a dozen years ago, like I said, and, and it did uh, better than I expected. And um, and then I went back to my job and corporate jobs, and we'll talk more about that later, I guess. But um, and then I got an offer for another one, and you know, it evolved. And anyway, so I got to the point where writing books, it turned out, was actually seemed to be more my calling than than uh, working for working for the man. So now I write books and I coach people full time. Like you said, ClickMillionaires.com. My new book is Click Millionaires, uh, as branded as well. And um, my my mission really at this point is to help other people realize kind of what the same journey that you're on with and, and, and representing with this podcast is to help other people realize there's, there are different ways to live now that really are not taught in school and that honestly almost anybody who's smart enough to download and listen to a podcast like your audience has a chance at, at taking a shot at something certainly much more interesting, more personally fulfilling, and perhaps even more lucrative than a traditional corporate job. So that's that's what I do, and, and uh, I donate the book profits from my books to charity, uh, and this is really a personal mission for me, and I, and I really enjoy doing it, and I appreciate you having me on the show to share it. Well, that's a great mission that you have there, and just quickly going back to your struggles you were talking about with your first publishing potential back in 2004. Is this, I'm assuming, before you could just go on Amazon, Kindle, and get your uh, your book published? Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, there were no such thing as a tablet back then, you know, even, even I think, um, it's hard to remember, you know, once it's passed, but I think even the handheld devices, I think I had a BlackBerry that was only just plain black text, even the BlackBerry wasn't even color, you know, so we're talking like, the state of the art was like a text message, you know, <laughs> so there was no self-publishing at all. How far we've come in so short a time. Yes, exactly right, exactly right. Well, great, I feel like we have a good grasp of that, so let's kick off the show and how we kick off the show here at Entrepreneur on Fire is with our guest's favorite success quote. It's kind of our way to get the motivational ball rolling and just get people fired up and really look forward to something to, to start the show off. So, Scott, what's your favorite success quote? Well, the one that's driven me since I was young, I grew up in inner city Detroit without much uh, financial background or, or backing or connections or anything. And for me, the differentiating factor was always just kind of outworking the other guys. So the, the, the first quote, I've got two for you. The first one right. that drove me for years was simply, the harder I, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And that's one probably a lot of people heard have heard. It's been attributed to different people, but uh, the most ac- I've researched it, and the, the closest I can find is the true source of that was Samuel Goldwyn, who started the Goldwyn Studios uh, that later became MGM. He's the G in MGM Studios. But the harder I work, the luckier I get. And all my life, uh, I, I was doing things and, you know, even in, in school, you know, trying to be on the student council or whatever and, you know, and, and then in business making money and people say, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. And I like, you know, I, maybe I'm lucky and I absolutely luck is a big part of it, but I'm also working my ass off here. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and that's the difference, I think. And, you know, the people that don't work don't get what they want or think they deserve and, and that's, uh, that's no way to go through life. So, so that's, that's my first one. 
And I think that's probably the most important one. Uh, and then as I've gotten a little older and made some money, um, and now I have a family and my priorities have shifted a little, and now it's a little more about balance. And that's what a lot of the new book is about, is finding a balance in your work and your life, because I think that's really important. Um, and I've kind of got a bigger picture one as my second one, which is uh, Alan Kay, one of the fathers of uh, computing, who said, again, you've probably heard this one, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And that, that's one of the reasons that of all the fields I've worked in, and I've worked in a bunch of them before I settled on on the internet, um, I chose the internet because you can invent the future and you can literally, uh, you know, you can, if you're a designer, you can go and create a new JPEG and share it with the whole planet in half an hour, or you can put up a new blog and reach so many people or the podcast like this. You can invent things and, and create really from nothing, create communities, create products, create relationships and have an impact uh, with the internet better than any platform in history. And I, and I think that's just really exciting. Creative potential is, I guess, really the thing that drives me and excites me the most, helping other people find their creative potential. No, those two quotes really go very well together. And luck does play a part in it, but you're never going to get that luck point unless you're really putting in the time and the effort. And that's kind of where I go back to one of my favorite quotes, which I have brought up before, but I'll bring it up again because it just fits so nicely into what you said is, luck is where effort meets opportunity. Because unless you're putting in the effort, you're not going to have the opportunity to be lucky. Yeah, that's right. You've got to have the tools. I think uh, another one comes to mind, Louis, I think it's Louis Pasteur, fortune favors the prepared mind. You've got to be ready. Um, I think we should just spend the next 25 minutes talking about success quotes because you and I, (laughs) we obviously have got something going here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you probably don't know this because I don't publicize it, but I have a whole website of quotes, 365successquotes.com. You you called the right guy because if you go to 365 success quotes, we've been publishing um, success quotes for entrepreneurs. I I forget when I even started it, maybe 2005. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of these that I've been collecting from people. Um, People email them to me from all over the world, and there's a database there of, of thousands quotes like this that would uh, awesome. you, you do a whole series for sure. <laughs> well, I have just saved that as my favorites. And it makes me feel good that Scott Fox feels this way about quotes, the fact that I've decided to make this a big part of my show. But that being said, we, we do need to move along because we obviously could go on about this all day. And I'll have to have you come back on and we'll just have a success quote segment. And that actually will probably be my most downloaded show ever. We could have a duel. Let's do a duel. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever blinks first, that's what we'll do. That sounds like fun. Great. Well, thank you so much for that. But let's move on to the next topic, which you know probably as much as anybody for just experiences that you had personally, but even more so with how much you've dealt with entrepreneurs in the past and your coaching and consulting, and that's failure. As entrepreneurs, we live in the midst of failure all the time. It's, it's how we learn. It's how we grow. It's how we improve. It's something that's just part of our everyday culture. Can you tell us about a specific failure in your life, really starting with the events that led up to that failure, and then just kind of continue to tell your story? Sure. The I was thinking about this before the show and and you know any successful any success story has in their his or her past a litany of failures <laughs> so right. anybody that tells you otherwise is is full of it um so i was I was trying to figure out which would you know which would be the best for this interview and and I guess the the overarching one the the theme that comes out to me is is the story of how I became an entrepreneur um as opposed to a corporate executive and and it, and it kind of goes like this i like I said I grew up in the inner city and and uh, didn't my family didn't have any money, and and we didn't have anybody who 
we didn't even know anybody had any money <laughs> and or worked for a big company and um so the the mission for me always was the the route to success especially in detroit uh in the in the 60s and 70s and 80s when i grew up everybody worked for big companies so the the job was you know okay get out of high school, get to college, and get a job for a big company. And that is success, right? There was no question of like running for president or being a basketball star or something. I mean, getting a job was, was the big deal. So that's the way I was programmed. And, and, and I did that. And, and I put myself through college on scholarships and financial aid. And, and then I got recruited to Wall Street. And I was actually an investment banker, which is pretty unusual for a kid of my background. But I got onto Wall Street um, and, uh, and actually did very well there. Um, and um, by the time I was about 23, I was making several hundred thousand dollars a year, which in every version of the American dream, that is success, right? I mean, that's yeah. 25 years ago when there were no Mark Zuckerbergs to point to, right? Uh, I was a vice president at a major New York investment bank by the time I was 24, um, which is truly unheard of and, 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 and seemed perfect, right, on paper. But the problem was I was miserable. <laughs> and, you know, there's that hours for dollars trade-off. And, and when you work those kind of hours, no matter how much they pay you, especially when you're a young guy, you have other interests, right? And, and I, unfortunately, I was really good at it. And um, anyway, I don't want to go, I can go on for hours, but this, this... And you were in New York City, which has plenty of options for young <laughs> yes, plenty of distractions, especially if you have real money in your pocket. So the lesson learned there, my mom even tells a story. I actually you know, got in there and I was working a few, even within weeks of graduating and I got in the training program there and I was like, well, this is, this is, well, you know, at first I was excited and then I called home one day and said, mom, is this what I worked so hard in school for? This sucks. And um, it just, I just wasn't fitting in and, and I was unhappy and I thought it was my fault, you know, that I was in a cubicle and, you know, wearing a suit and tie and every day. And that's all fun for a couple of weeks, you know, suit and tie. I'm important, you know, I work for a bank and, and but, you know, after a few weeks, months, years, the paychecks keep going up, but the routine doesn't change and, and it really grinds you down. And, and my, anybody listening to this who has a, a real quote unquote job probably can relate to this at some level or another. So anyway, this pattern repeated several times in, in the last 20 years. And um, I did that in banking and then I went to law school. Um, as I quit, I walked away from banking because I just couldn't hack it. With all, I basically retired by the time I was 25. I walked away thought, well, I'll go be a lawyer. So I tried that. Same same story. I found another great job, very important, very powerful in an entirely different industry. I went into the entertainment business in Hollywood. Uh, then I did the same thing in Silicon Valley with startups. I tried again. And every time I got big jobs, bigger and bigger jobs, more and more money, did very well. They didn't want me to leave and I quit every time. And um, those that was my failure. Here, so here's the point. The failure was thinking that I was going to find success working for someone else. It's just not who I am. And, you know, to be fair to me, I guess I, I couldn't know that because I had no role models and I didn't have, you know, maybe the mentors that you've had to have the courage to go out and do what you're doing. Um, I had to learn it the other way, which was actually by making enough money to, to prove to myself, hey, I can do this and I still don't like it. So I guess my message, if, if this is on theme and you can guide me with your questions, but for your audience is, there's nothing wrong with you if you don't like that kind of work. <laughs> Every or the American dream is all set up to be at least the way I was raised to work for the big company. And if you don't like making, you know, a lot of right. money working for that big company, it doesn't mean you're stupid or crazy. It just means that you're cut out for something different and there are other ways to find success and that's what I've been doing with my books and everything ever since. I've walked away from more big six-figure jobs probably than most people even interview for in different industries and that's what finally proved after the last one I had a dream job as head of business development for a top Silicon Valley startup that had raised a ton of money and I did it about six weeks and I was like 
this is not me. I just can't do it. It's just not me. And I quit and I went and wrote another book. <laughs> so, Well, let me just pull something out of, of your story there that is, is so important and so inspiring to me. And I know it's inspiring to my listeners as well. And that is, here you are from Detroit. You get out to New York City. You have a great six-figure job on Wall Street, wearing a suit and tie to work. I'm sure people back home were talking about Scott Fox. Look at him. He's made it. It didn't feel right for you. So you got out, you tried law school, you did law school. Then you went to the opposite coast and searched for something that he was passionate for you in Hollywood. And that wasn't clicking with you. You continued to just push until you finally were able to get to a place where not only were you successful in your mind, but you were also happy and fulfilled in your mind. And and just that never giving up despite facing failure, and, and for you, the failure was not success-wise, but it was on a happiness level-wise, is so inspiring, and I just have to commend you for that. That's really good stuff. I had never looked at it that way, honestly. I, I beat myself up because of the failure, as I think most successful people do. They think they're always pushing themselves you know, for what they did wrong, but, but I guess you're right. That does demonstrate a pattern, doesn't it? <laughs> Certain, you might call it obstinance. <laughs> or- I just see a lot of myself and what, and what you've done, and it, it inspires me to keep, to keep driving forward. I was an officer in the, in the Army for eight years, and that was a very enjoyable time for me. But then when I got out, I was kind of trying to find my place in society. And so I went to law school, and that just wasn't right for me. And so then I went and worked for a big finance corporation in, in Boston, John Hancock. And again, that just wasn't for me. And then I moved to San Diego and tried real estate and just wasn't finding my passion. Although in each one, I was successful. I just wasn't enjoying myself. And I've continued to push my limits to find what not only I'm going to be successful at, but happy at. So I, I just hope I can continue to follow in your footsteps and potentially, you know, one day be the success well, that you are. My pleasure. And thank you for helping me uh, find a way to feel better about all that. <laughs> Seriously, that's, it's, you know, it's all in how you look at it, isn't it? And, and you're right that you gave me a new, a new way of uh, thinking about that. And I guess that uh, those failures all add up to success at some point if you keep pushing. Absolutely. And that's what we're all about here at Entrepreneur on Fire is the journey because the journey is what shapes us. And I'm really glad to be able to be sharing your journey as an entrepreneur today because I just think it's a great one. So that being said, let's transition to the next topic, which is the aha moment. At some point in every entrepreneur's life, you just stumble upon this great idea or a light bulb comes on and you just literally say to yourself, oh my God, that's it. That's, that's something I can do this. What was your aha moment, and how did you translate that into success? In 2007, um, I had written my first book, and it had done well. And then my second book, my publisher, the American Management Association, came back and said, that book did well. We'd like you to write another book. And I said, well, I'm an executive vice president at this point at a Fortune 500 corporation. I, I started a web division for a really big multinational and I was in charge of the whole thing and it was growing rapidly I was literally employee uh, there was the president of the division and I was executive vice president so I was the one actually running pretty much running the show number two in this division and we were run, setting up a big thing right but my publisher came to me and at that point we'd grown already from I think I was number two I think I had about 30 people working for me so it had grown really rapidly in like a year um, and but it was a job right and so they came to me and said well we'd like you to write another book so I went to my boss and I said you know, I, I've got this opportunity to write another book, and you know, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to do this. And I took a, th- they gave me a three-week leave to go and write the proposal because you know you don't actually write a whole book. First, you write a proposal and you send that out to the publisher and see if anybody cares, right? right. 
get a bid. So, so I took three weeks off, which is pretty generous, right? I mean, they really liked me. I was doing well. I took three weeks and I wrote this proposal. Then I came back to the office and it was going to take a couple months to hear back on the proposal anyway. Um, and I went back to the office and I said, okay, now I just had three weeks off. I'm going to, I'm rested, ready. You know, my mind is clear now because I put off, I did this proposal. I should be ready to go in and just knock this out through the fourth quarter and we'll have a great end of the year because that was in August. Um, I lost my freaking mind. I just, it was worse than I expected. Being away actually made me more upset uh, when I came back. And um, within about a month, I was seriously thinking just quitting. I just, this was just too much for me. Now, the, the point of this is, is, you know, anybody listening to this, Scott's a wuss, you know, he, yeah, I guess I am because what I figured out that is that management is way overrated. And I had all these people reporting to me and I was hiring so fast that I was, it was interview half my day every day was just been interviewing people. We were growing so fast. And, 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 um, the lesson again in my journey again has been one kind of a reaction against the corporate American dream is that now I was an executive vice president at a Fortune 500 corporation. And this is a big job. This is anybody in the world would say that's a big job, right? And it was going really well. And I hated it because the thing that they tell you when you're the little, the low, when you're a young trainee is you rise up the ladder, you make a lot of money, you get important and power, and you get to manage a whole bunch of people. That's like and you get the corner office, right? I had the corner office, again. With a view. With a view, 18th floor corner in Hollywood, overlook, and it was a beautiful place, right? Um, but I also had 40 people all looking at me, trying to, each with their own egos, you know, and, and more people every day, and trying to manage all this stuff, and I, it just wasn't me. And so my point is, those big jobs, they come with a price tag. Um, and the more they pay you, the more they expect from you. And I was on 24-7. My wife, we were having our second child. Um, and I had obligations at home, at work. All these children, essentially, at work that needed my attention constantly. And management is overrated. Uh, the corner office is overrated. And I quit in November. <laughs> and that was my, my aha moment was, this is not, you know, no matter how many books you read or try to convince yourself, if this is not you, it's not you. And I quit. And they couldn't believe it. They just couldn't believe it. Um, so yeah. five years ago, you said, enough with this, I'm out. Yeah. And that was, you know, I had the job that I thought, if you had told me when I was a kid in Detroit that I had had that job, I would have just, I wouldn't have even believed it was possible, right? Um, I had found what I thought was the American dream. And again. <laughs> and Comes with a price tag. It does. It comes with a price tag, and that's the piece they don't tell you, you know. And, and that's fine, right? I'm not saying anybody deceived me, but it's it's hard work, and it's hard work. And this is the key, I think. It's hard work as the corporation defines it. They're not interested in your personal fulfillment or what you had in mind in terms of your what creative juices you wanted to exercise or or any of that. It's you know, it, it's bottom line profits, and that's fine. That's the capitalist system. I'm very much a capitalist, but if you work for somebody else. They're in charge of your life, and the higher you go in the corporate pecking order, the more in charge of their life of your life they are, because there are very few of those spots at the top. And if you don't play ball exactly the way they want it played, then you're out, and the next guy comes in, and it's it's uh, it's very demanding. So, anyway, long long story short, I'm now what I call a click millionaire, which is somebody who works on their own terms on the internet. <laughs> and I have a team that works for me, but they're all part-time contractors spread across right. the world. It's just a much more flexible, creative, independent way to live, and I'm a lot happier. Well, let's go there. So it's December 1st. You had just quit your job. What do you do moving forward from this point? So I thought, well, this time I will really, because I had written the previous book part-time, and in this case, I had a book offer outstanding, so it wasn't like I was just on the street, and I had quite a bit of money already, so I was, I was not... Uh, 
you know, just coming out of college or, or right. find my job with no savings, as a lot of people unfortunately are. Um, so I went back towards the book and I re- started reorienting everything towards figuring out who I wanted to be when I grew up, which, you know, I was, <laughs> I was old enough to have fig- solved that several times already. But, um, you know, life's a journey, not a destination. So um, I started over and, and looked at the internet where it was at that point and focused on the book. And at that point, it was the dawn of social media marketing. So that was my second book, E-Rich's 2.0 Next Generation Online Marketing Strategy. So I wrote a book about Twitter and Facebook and blogging and podcasting and all that sort of stuff and, uh, and it really became... Uh, the online business expert um, that I wanted to be. So you wrote about podcasting back in 2007? Uh, yeah, it was 2008 by then, but yeah. 2008, nice. You were uh, definitely ahead of the curve there. That's great. That's great. Well, that's my thing. I've been ahead a long time. I, I read <laughs> first.com in 1996. You know, I, as I've, I've been at this as long as anybody, probably longer than most folks. Um, I did graduate school at Stanford, so I was there when this all started. So, I, you know, it's been easy for, in retrospect, to, to see where it was all going. But as everybody knows, on a daily basis, you got to pick your, pick your bets. <laughs> got to pick your bets, exactly. So you had your aha moment. You created some strong action from that moment. You moved forward. You created the current business that you have today. Very exciting stuff. A couple questions I want to ask you specifically about your business. You've touched upon it in various ways. Specifically, the word click keeps coming up and the word click millionaire. Just want to kind of hammer it down and make it very clear to the listeners here. What exactly is a click millionaire? <laughs> well, I, I know it sounds get rich quick, but it's really not. It's, it's the opposite. A click millionaire is a lifestyle entrepreneur who uses the internet to build a business that they find personally interesting and fulfilling that also makes money. So not a billion-dollar business, but a lifestyle business. So this may be a billion-dollar business, but it also may just be a few dollars on the side from your current job. A click millionaire is somebody who uses the Internet to build a business on their own terms and make as much money as, as they want to. So money is important, but I often say that the money is just the gasoline for the trip, uh, not, the, not the destination in itself. So click millionaires are about lifestyle, and that's what the new book is about. It is about it's actually got a bunch of lifestyle exercises before we get into the specifics about which kind of businesses to build. Um, but it's about balancing. It's about doing everything it's not a corporate job. It's like starting with what do I want, not what does my boss want. What do I want? Well, I'm interested in these things. Well, which of those has business potential? And what kind of business potential do they have? Should I start a blog or a podcast or do some YouTube videos? And, and working with all the modern tools we have today that cost so little, you don't have to raise venture capital and all that. You don't need to know a lot of technology. You can go in and become a click millionaire by building a business on your own terms that serves your personal lifestyle priorities. And that's what I mean when I say click millionaire. Very cool. And this next question I'm, I'm really excited to ask because you have been ahead of the curve so many times that I really am curious about what is your vision, vision for the future? What are you seeing just over the horizon? What is exciting you right now? <laughs> well, um, there's so much. I mean, it's it's the the, the number of opportunities. It, 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 I, I get yeah, I get really excited. I go, <laughs> I get really excited. In 30 seconds, <laughs> exactly right. No, this is radio, right? So, um, well, mobile, right? I mean, gosh, mobile is coming at us a size of a tsunami wave that nobody. Yes. Right, I mean, mobile. Holy cow! So, what's that going to do? And I and I am very weak on mobile myself. I've been so busy with the first wave or two of the internet, I don't know that much myself. So, I'm excited about that. But what I think is really exciting, a little big 
bigger picture quickly, is that the internet's pulling together the human potential of billions of people. It continues to grow. Uh, broadband continues to penetrate. More and more people get devices. And yes, the devices in third world countries are slower and the connection speed is slower. But all these people are coming together. And if you think about all the human potential that's been locked away in the barrios in South America or the, the slums of, uh, in, in Nairobi or even the slums in Detroit, you know, everybody's slowly getting online. This rising tide. And you unlock the creativity and intelligence of all these people when they can finally connect without geographical barriers and increasingly even language barriers are going to start to fall. Um, you know, as Google Translate penetrates everything, what is going to be created when it's more than the top 1% of the world that gets to call the tune, right? When all these people come on and can help each other and reach each other, it's just, I think it's staggering what we're going to see in the next 20 years. And I, I think it's very exciting, very exciting. I think it's exciting as well. And let's, let's use this point because I, I, I know it's going to come up in this next round, the lightning round that we have going on here. I'm going to just ask you these five questions. The first one that we have is, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? For me, it was a mental block thinking that success meant working for a big company, carrying a business card that had an impressive title on it and having a steady salary and, and the corner office. To me, that was just the way I was raised. You know, 20 years ago, there weren't, like I said, there were no Mark Zuckerberg. Steve Jobs hadn't really hit it even yet. Uh, and it was not obvious that there were alternative paths. Being an entrepreneur, especially in a corporate town like Detroit, was kind of a, what, you can't hold a real job sort of, you know, path. So for me, right. the was getting past that and thinking, hey, I am, I can be a smart, hardworking, successful person, but not have a business card that has a big name behind me. Uh, and that credibility was hard for me to, to establish. But um, I think I've, I've done that now. And, and I, I try to help other people realize that you can be yourself. And that's one of the great things the internet does, allow people to connect on a more personal basis uh, and, uh, and get beyond that to be themselves and, and use that as an asset instead of a liability. What was the best business advice you ever received? Well, that'd have to be from my dad. Uh, and that was, and it's not just business advice, it's life advice. And that's, that's a simple one. He always would say, um, go with your gut. And, you know, you can do, when you're faced with a difficult decision, the standard thing, if, if you've been to business school, is you write down pros and cons and pluses and minuses and try to quantify, or, you know, like do a spreadsheet sort of approach. And, and that's certainly helpful because it can shake things out. But at the end of the day, any hard decision is hard because the sides are roughly balanced, depending on how you look at them. And at the end of the day, you got to trust yourself. And my dad would always say, well, what's your gut say? And you have to listen to that gut when the decisions are hard on a financial basis, but also particularly on an ethical basis. There are people and opportunities um, that are presented all the time and they may look great on paper. Um, I have a great PowerPoint presentation or whatever, you know, take you out to a nice dinner. But if your gut says no, you, you gotta back away because uh, that's dangerous and, and, and people get hurt, so. No, that's very powerful. I actually had a guest on the other day who said it wasn't until a psychic told him that he was not following his gut that he realized that that was true and he needed to. So he doesn't necessarily believe in psychics, but it just really was a slap in the face that I need to start listening to my gut. So it was, it's a very powerful theme and one I could not concur with more. Right. So what is something that's working for you in your business right now? For me, the, the longer I've been at this, and this means, I guess, my whole life, <laughs> this being everything, right? 
if you want to get anywhere, and I don't just mean money, I mean anything, you, you've got to focus on one thing. And actually, this is in the book. Uh, there's seven principles in there about lifestyle design and lifestyle businesses and how to do them from my own research and my own experience. And the first one is this answer to this question. You've got to help people. And it sounds very kumbaya, but if you're not helping other people, either you know on a purely charity, altruistic basis, that's great. But even in business, if you're not helping them, they're not going to pay you what you need to be paid to keep helping them. Um, and helping people is the foundation of everything. The, the more I get on with this, um, one of the things I, from the book that I came up with, and I'm hoping this becomes a quote that other people maybe even requote, um, is uh, you've got to find a need to serve that's greater than your own need to make money. And that's, that's I think, really important for anybody who wants to make money or, or get anywhere in life, um, is that your need to make money, I know it's important to you, but nobody else cares. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, or your kids, for sure, but, but you've got to find a need that's bigger than yourself. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you can't commercialize the heck out of it, but you have to help people um, or they're not going to pay attention. Yep, and that's obvious that that is at the forefront of everything that you do in your business. And I'm trying to emulate that as well here at entrepreneuronfire.com with this free podcast is really get messages like yours out into the universe for people in these countries that you, you've mentioned, like Nairobi, like Somalia, that are just now starting to get cell phones and, and access to the internet that can, with a simple app, reach out and for free be exposed to a different way of thinking and a different way of looking at the world. Great. Great stuff. Okay, this is the last question and is by far my favorite. I think that you're going to knock this one out of the park, so I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but you <laughs> need to hit a home run here, okay? Okay. It's kind of tricky, so listen closely. If you woke up tomorrow morning, will you add all of your experience and knowledge that you have today but everything that you've done has completely disappeared, forcing you to start somewhere, anywhere from scratch. Just like many of our listeners are right now, they would be starting from scratch. What would you do? <laughs> well, you know, that actually sounds like a dream to me. I would, this might surprise you or your listeners, but I would love that because I love everything I do. I only do things I love. That's the definition of a click millionaire. But I also have to keep serving old ideas, things that I have did a while ago, and I'm obsessed with new stuff. So if I could start right. completely from scratch, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> old blogs I have to keep updating, you know, no, no, you know, just, you know, there's all the niggly stuff, right? So what, what would you do, Scott? So what would I do? So what I would, um, well, I would go out and I would find a community of people that shared my interests that are things that we both have in common, interests, hobbies, expertise, maybe business experience, um, you know, life experiences. And I would try to make as many friends as possible. And that doesn't sound like a business approach, but, but it is. Make as many friends as possible. And that's where the internet makes it so easy with social media. Go out and make a ton of friends. And the reason to do that is, A, you get more friends, which is an awesome goal in and of itself, but that doesn't pay your mortgage, obviously. You get out there, you make friends, and you start to figure out what the community is missing. What needs do they have that aren't being served? And with the internet, you can step in and serve those needs. Almost anything can be sourced online, and so many things can be delivered digitally. And if not delivered digitally, they can at least the orders can be taken digitally. You get in and make friends, develop that community uh, into something, and, and the bottom line goes back to my previous answer. You help them. 
find a need that they have and try to help them. And you know what? I think that's going to turn into a business if you're smart about it. That's great advice. Thank you very much for that. And I want to thank you for joining us on today's program on Entrepreneur on Fire. You gave us some great actionable advice and we're definitely all better for that. Just before I let you go, do you have any last piece of advice or shout out to Fire Nation? Well, I'd encourage anybody listening to this to do to join John in that journey. There's uh, there's a lot of potential out there. If you don't think you're qualified, you're wrong. There's a platform. The internet is a platform for anybody to make anything out of themselves that they want to be in. And I'm here to help you. If you'd like, come to the ClickMillionaires.com forum. Membership's free to my readers. We'd be happy to help you too, uh, 24/7. And and keep listening to John's podcast. You're you're in the right place. Awesome, Scott. Well, we will definitely keep up with each other and catch you on the flip side. Thank you, John. I really appreciate being here. Hey, guys. This is John Lee Dumas signing off. Remember to subscribe to our email list for your chance to win $50 cash every Wednesday. Fire Nation, my one call to action to you today is this. If you enjoyed this free podcast and want to show your love, head over to eofire.com Click the subscribe and iTunes button at the top of our page and you'll be shot over to iTunes to leave a rating and review. To show my appreciation for your hopefully five-star rating, I will give you a shout out at the top of an upcoming show and then you can tweet about how awesome you are. Seriously though, it would really mean a lot to all of us here at Fire Nation that work so hard to bring you this content five days a week. Until next time, Fire Nation, Prepare to ignite. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.